Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Gumi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour the program for caring parents. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to ATP Life. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you this morning. And this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, infections, which is also one of the common uh, topics that parents like to uh to ask questions a lot about i have with me also in the studio um sophia who is going to be moderating with us sophia you're welcome thank you ma good morning ma good morning so i'll just say please share the video and also if you have questions kindly ask in the comment sections and try and have some questions early so that we can try to take them on time we just have one hour for the show uh, so share the video on your timeline in your on your pages in groups where you have permission to do so and then you can also drop your questions for us and we'll be very very happy to and so, that, so you're all welcome to ATP Live this morning. All right, so let's kick on. Sophia. Ma, thank you, ma. Okay, the topic this morning is infection in children. So we'd like to know, Ma, what exactly is infection and how do our children get them? Okay, so um, thank you. So when we talk about infections, we're talking about, um, uh, there are, let me, for, for, before I go into the definition, because sometimes I'd like to use clear words for parents to understand. So when we talk about, there are some, uh, organisms, there are some life or what we call uh, some other uh, living things in the environment that are very, very small that most of us cannot see with our eyes. And so when such uh, things get into the body, they can, uh, into the body of human beings, they can cause some diseases. And that is what we call infection. So infection basically is the disease or the condition that is arise as a result of those microorganisms, those living things that are so tiny for the physical eyes to see when they get into the body and they attack our body. And that is what we meant by um, infection. So what kind of organism are we talking about here? We're talking about things like viruses, things like bacteria, sometimes some um, tiny uh, uh, animals, what we call protozoans as well. So uh, 
when they get into the body of human being, normally our body tries to fight them. Our body has its own immune system that tends to fight these microorganisms or germs or whatever you want to call them. And But sometimes they seem so, so, so tiny, they somehow can overpower our own um, uh, uh, body system and that can now lead to what we call infections. Uh, so basically, that is what um, infections uh, mean. Uh, so uh, there are many kinds of infections. So depending on the kind of organisms or the kind of germ or the kind of microorganism that is attacking the body. So we talk of things like virus, viral infections. We talk of things like bacteria infections. We talk of things like fungal infection. We talk so different kind of infections. So depending on the particular microorganism or the particular germ that is uh, attacking uh, the body. So those, that's what we mean by infections. And there are many ways infections uh, can manifest. One of the commonest ways in which it manifests is what we call, there could be fever. In other words, the body of the children may be hot. Sometimes the child could have um, uh, other symptoms, like it could be vomiting, they could be having body pains. They could, even malaria is an infection in a way with, due to a protozoa. So there could be so many things that could be happening in the body at the same time that tells us that something is going on that is not right here. And those are the symptoms that we, the doctors, will see that will make us suspect, oh, this may be an infection. And that infection, sometimes it can be on the part of the body that we can see, just on the external surfaces. So you can have infection in your hands, you can have infection on your leg, on your skin, on your mouth and all that in the eyes. But sometimes it is in the blood system. So this is like overwhelming, it's all over the blood. Or even each organ of the body can also have uh, infection, like you can have infection in the lungs, in the heart. There's no place where these organisms, when they get entrance to, there's no place where they cannot um, um, affect. So those are that's basically what we mean by uh, infection, and those are the ways by which they manifest. And because sometimes it's not depending on whether the infection is something that is affecting only a, a particular side of the body, which we call a local infection, or it's affecting, it's actually going on in the whole blood system. What we call like a sepsis, you know, kind of a picture, then the manifestation will be different. And we need to know, and sometimes the symptoms will be similar to some other conditions that are not infection. So for example, a cough can be a sign of infection in the lungs, what we call pneumonia. But sometimes it could just also be a sign of something that is non-infectious, like asthma, for example. So sometimes it's difficult to know, is it an infection, is it an infection? until we have the whole picture, which will include um, seeing the child physically, doing some tests and all that. So basically that is how we know uh, infections and uh, uh, we make the diagnosis of infections and then we want to know which kind of organism it is. And then luckily we have what we call um, anti-microbials or anti-infectious uh, agents. So Things like antibiotics, which is basically for bacterial infections. We have antiviral medications, which is for viruses. We have uh, um, 
uh, antimicrobial as well, something like, for example, your anti-malaria drug, for example. So we have medications that we can use to treat infections. But for most infections, the earlier we pick it up and the earlier we start using those treatments, the better for them. But the thing about um, infection is that sometimes those uh, microorganisms, those tiny, those very invisible, sometimes they are very wise as well. So they can develop what we call resistance against some of those agents that we normally use to treat them. And that is why we always talk about the fact that we need to be careful the way we use medication, the way we use antibiotics, so that we don't encourage that resistance because inappropriate use of antimicrobial agents is what encourages resistance against them. And those are the things that will now lead to uh, us not being able to overcome infections. And if we cannot overcome it, sometimes infection can lead to, to death. So that is why it's very, very important uh, that we have this uh, discussion today. So I will we'll start taking our question because again, we don't want to rush at the end. So can we go on with the questions now? Okay, ma'am. Someone is asking, um, good morning, ma'am. My daughter of two years, body is always hot. She is not stooling or vomiting, just hotness of the body. I have treated her for malaria and typhoid. What might be the cause, please? Oh no, can you read the question I posted on the group on the wall? So that one okay, ma. Sai is saying, my son has been stooling since morning and seems to be running temperature. The stool smells so much. He has stood about three times from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Could it be infection? <clears throat> Thank you, um, uh, Sai, for that question. So basically, uh, like we said, uh, uh, infection, there are, the symptoms of infection can be similar to things that are non-infectious, but usually the commonest reason why a child who is stooling and having fever we is somewhat like an infection. For example, if it's just just stooling, for example, if you ate something like food poisoning or you you are you are eating something you are allergic to. You also stool, you know, or maybe you the food doesn't go well with you. There's indigestion, also so, But because there's actually fever, that's somewhat like what we call a gastroenteritis. What that means is that there's an infection in the stomach and the intestine lining, and that is what is causing this diarrhea. So the child is stooling, is having fever, and it's also the stool is also foul smelling. So that's me. I agree with you that that looks like an infection within the what we call the gastrointestinal tract or the digestive tract. So what you need to do is to make sure that you um, give start giving ORS. Now, the, like I said, there are different causes of infection. Like for this kind of a child, now it could just be the um, it could just be the uh, a virus causing this diarrhea. Sometimes it may not be a virus, it may just be a bacteria. So it's difficult to say at this stage which one it is, but the, we, we know from our experience as doctors that the commonest cause of diarrhea in children is a virus, which, which requires no antibiotics. Antibiotics are for bacteria infection, not for viruses. Most time viruses, they don't require any uh, specific they may not have specific antiviral agent. Only very few viruses have specific antiviral agents. So the commonest way to treat what your child is having is to give um, 
ORS and ORAS sync to address diarrhea. And then, because dehydration can also cause fever, then but if the child is not getting better, then you really need to take him to the hospital uh, for further treatments. All right? Okay, so let's move on. Okay, so Margaret, I know is asking, uh, good morning, what is the best treatment for psoriasis? Uh, psoriasis is a skin, it's a dermatological condition, and you really need to see your dermatologist because the management, and it's, it's not really like a, a childhood inf infection or something common in children. So I will encourage you that you should take your child to see a dermatologist, or to, see, to take whoever has that psoriasis to see a dermatologist uh, for further treatment. Now, uh, Jennifer is asking, <clears throat> my daughter has been coughing for, um, so, for so long. I don't know what the question is because your daughter has been coughing for so long. I guess you are trying to ask me whether the cough is a, um, is a, is infection or not. If that's what you are asking, okay, I, I think we can, um, we can uh, address that. So a child who's been coughing for so long, we call it chronic cough. Now, chronic cough could be due to infections, like for example, things like tuberculosis is a bacterial infection, or it could be due to things that are not infectious like asthma as well. So like I said, to know whether it is a infectious cause like uh, tuberculosis or whether it's something like asthma, you definitely need to see a doctor. So I would say to parents, if your child is coughing for more than two weeks, it has become chronic cough. And at that point, you really need to take the child to see a doctor, uh, preferably a pediatrician for further uh, treatment. So uh, Jennifer, it's better you take that child to see a pediatrician so that they can know whether is it infectious or not, or whether, and then it is depending, because for example, if the child is not an infectious cause and you are giving antibiotics, you are developing antibiotic resistance and you are still not treating what this child has. So the earlier you get to see a professional, the better. <clears throat> so um, Duruwe is asking, sorry, Blessing is asking, my daughter, good morning, my good morning. Uh, my daughter of two years old is always hot. She's not swollen or vomiting, just hotness of the body. I've treated her for malaria and typhoid. What's my baby cause? Now, thank you so much for that question. And I really need to address this question because I get a lot of this kind of question. Among, when children have fever and everybody does think the only two things that can cause fever in children is either malaria or typhoid. It's a very rampant belief system in Nigeria and especially in Lagos. So people go to private hospitals and the only diagnosis they get for every fever is either malaria or typhoid fever. That's a very dangerous assumption. So <clears throat> we've taken a topic on fever before. Now, fever is a manifestation of so many things. I always say there are like 1,001 things that can cause fever in children. Infections is, of course, the major part of it, but there are so, so many infections. So malaria is one, 
typhoid fever is one, but there are so many other other infections. So like I told you, infection can occur in virtually all the organs of the body. So it could be a pneumonia, it could be a tonsillitis, it could be an adenoid uh, infection, it could be a, 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 a urinary tract infection. And people sometimes don't look for these infections in other places. And so that is why it's important that when your children are sick, you go to a proper hospital. And that's one of the reasons I recommend proper hospitals like government hospitals hospitals where they can actually evaluate the child they listen to the child they examine the child because sometimes it's through the examination sometimes it's by looking into the ears that we will now pick up that oh it's an ear infection it's by looking into the throat that we can pick up oh it's a tonsillitis but people just say oh fever fever uh, fever and all that then the next thing it is malaria or they, they just go and do malaria tests or, and or typhoid tests and those are the only two things no without even touching the child so there's no way you will know whether that child has uh, malaria or, or, or other infection, like ear infections or throat infection. People don't even do urine tests, urinary tract infection. So there are so many reasons why a child could be having fever. So it is very dangerous. And for those of you who go to hospital where every time your children have fever, the only diagnosis they give you is malaria and typhoid. I change your hospitals. Stop going to those doctors. I'm very, very serious about it. Better go to a hospital where a doctor will actually physically examine your child and probably do something before telling you what is wrong. And, but if every time you go to hospital is only malaria and typhoid, you are in a very dangerous situation. So uh, uh, back to blessing. Your child has been having fever for so long, you really need to see a pediatrician. You really need to take this child to preferably a teaching hospital because there are, even a child could be having fever from cancer. It's one of the reasons why a child could have fever for so long. And sometimes people don't look for all these things and people don't know. They, everything is malaria. They will keep treating malaria and typhoid. And by the time we now pick up the diagnosis, it's too late. So please, please, if your child is having fever, even if you think it's malaria, if you malaria and the child is not better, then that's the time to really make sure that you see a professional in the first place. And uh, that's what I'm going to recommend for uh, blessing. So please take your child to see a pediatrician and, and then they will treat, they will address that. Thank you. So Ogo is asking, what is the cost of constant coughing and cataract after treatment? So we, I think we did that during our last uh, group discussion where Dr. Okore addressed the topic of allergic rhinitis, one of the common cause of uh, recurrence, catar and cough uh, is allergic rhinitis. So again, it boils down to making sure that you see the right professionals, making sure that they examine your child properly, making sure that they make the right diagnosis. So if your child has been treated for cough, catar, don't always assume it's infection and you just keep on giving, loading the children with antibiotics. And that's why we have so much uh, causes of uh, antibiotic resistance, so much the, the World Health Organization has declared antibiotic uh, resistance as a, as, as a major, major uh, crisis that needs to be addressed quickly. Because very soon, you can imagine what happens in a world where there's infection and we don't have the right antibiotics to treat it. It means basically that people are going to be dying. It's, that's fatal. It's, that's just what it means. And what happens is when people use antibiotics, when it's not necessary, like for example, a child is having allergic rhinitis, do not require antibiotics, but people just think it's coughing. 
um, they just antibiotics left, right, and said, actually, in a country where people can just walk into a pharmacy shop and buy antibiotics, which is really on its own, it's even it's not should not be happening. People should need a doctor's prescription to buy antibiotics. And I know all the people that are on the table, I'm shaking this money, it's time to repair because it's a dangerous thing we're doing to our children. We can become like other civilized countries where people need a prescription. We should not put the money, the monetary gain over the health of our children. Let's all our pharmacies, let's all our pharmacy shops just insisting on getting prescription before they give us antibiotics. That way it will help us reduce all this uh, resistance issue that we're having. So, uh, uh, Ogo, I hope I've answered your question. So if your child has been having cough, cancer, it's not better, then you really need to see a pediatrician. And I'm strongly suspecting it could be something else. It is not everything that is infections. It is not. There are so many other things. But infection is, is common, yes, but it's not the only thing that could cause cough, cancer, and all that. Okay, I hope that is um, helpful. Now, I'm going on to Esther Chibweze. Esther Chibweze is asking, my nine-year-old daughter, most times her body would be hot. And our body will be scratching her, and you will see all her skin swollen up and reddish in color. So that is allergy. That's a very typical, uh, very, uh, very easy uh, uh, description, a very classical description of a child who is having an allergy, an allergic reaction. So she scratches, and uh, so that is not infection. That is, sounds more like an allergic reaction. And the most important thing for you to discover as a parent so is what is causing the allergy? What is this child allergic to? And that is really a million dollar question because it could be, it could be anything. It could be from the food, it could be from the water, it could be from the cream, it could be from the soap, it could be from the clothes, it could be anything. It could be drugs. It could even be things like you give, like some of the uh, juices, uh, all these uh, uh, snacks and things you buy. So you really need to see a doctor who can maybe, you yourself, you may want to do a lot more observation and be watching and seeing whether what normally happens just before she starts scratching. Is it the day we gave this particular food or is it the day we use this particular thing? Or sometimes if you also are very observant, taking what we call a diary, you may be able to figure out what it is that is causing the uh, uh, the uh, allergic reaction. But uh, for Esther, what you just described is a very classic uh, case of uh, allergic um, reaction. So we'll move on now um, to Doris question. Sophia, do you want to read that for us? Doris is asking, my boy of four plus always complains of tummy pain. And most times when we treat him from Nigeria, afterwards his body will still be hot. What could be the cause? Because why did you assume that your child's tummy pain is malaria? That is also another thing mothers do. Uh, let me just tell Nigerian mothers this morning. Please, malaria is not the only reason why children are sick. I don't know why we always assume every time a child is sick, it must be malaria. I know we are living in a country where malaria is very common, very predominant, and because of that, and especially in Nigeria, if you don't treat malaria on time, it can become what we call severe malaria in children below five. But I think we over 
treat malaria. And what we have been recommending is that even before you treat malaria, go and have it tested. Go, let, let the doctor see your child, let them test your child. So if child is having fever, abdominal pain, yes, it could be malaria, but it may not also be malaria. So I could think of so many things. It could be urinary tract infection, for example. It will also give you fever and abdominal pain. And if your child has urinary tract infection, for example, and you're giving anti-malaria, of course, the child will not be better. The, the fever will still persist. So I think the, it's, what I want us to take away from to, to this morning's uh, group, this um, ATP Live, is the fact that you should always try to know what is causing these symptoms before we go and treat. And I know most of us are our own doctors. Most of us, we treat ourselves and we treat our children, but that is not really appropriate. If your child is having symptoms like fever, what we recommend is that give paracetamol. After 24 hours, the child is not better, take the child to the hospital. Let a doctor have a look at the child. It is when the doctor asks you questions, what are the other things that is coming with the fever? What are the other things that are coming with the abdominal pain? The doctor will also lay hands on the child, examine the child, check the throat, check the ears, check the everywhere, check the tummy. Then the child, doctor will, from even just the history and examination, the doctor will have an idea what is likely the cause. And it is sometimes we are not very sure we can do so if child was having abdominal pain, for example, I'm going to do a urinary uh, urinalysis or maybe urine MCS, a urine culture, to see whether it's a urinary tract infection. It is after that, then they will recommend treatment. So let's not always assume everything must be malaria or typhoid fever. I think that if there's any message I want you guys to take home today, it is the fact that there are so many other things, there are so many other infections, and there are so many other causes of fever beyond uh, malaria and um, typhoid. So I hope um, that is very helpful for Doris. So what we sh what are you asking me? What could be the cause? I don't know what is the cause because I can't know what is the cause just from what you just told me. I still need to, like I said, ask you a lot more questions. I still need to examine your child. I may even still need to do a lot of tests before I can tell you what the likely cause of your child's problem. And that is one of the reasons when I tell ACP mothers, we can't do consultation online because we can't always do all these things. I can't examine your child through the internet. So, so, so it's difficult sometimes to really be able to say this is it. I may guess these are likely causes, but I may not be able to 100% tell you what is the cause. And that is why I would say, go take your child to see a doctor who can physically see the child, examine the child and tell you, uh, what is the problem? Okay, can we move on? Yes, ma'am. So, Dami, yes, thank is, you for. Can you read the next question? Okay. Yeah. Can you see Damilola's question showing up? Damilola is asking, my three-year-old daughter is always complaining yeah. of itching in her private parts. Can it be infection and what do I use? Okay, so it's possible. It could be uh, for a three-year-old, it's possible. It could be an infection. Uh, you have to really make sure that your child is using like cutting uh, pants and you also make sure you, you, you are, she's being properly wiped. 
after using the toilet. So at three years old, most of them are not very good with cleaning up after themselves. So we really need to assist them. And if she's going to school, you need to make sure that the school is also assisting her. But in a three-year-old who is always eating a private part, I'm also worried. I also want to make sure that that child is not having any form of abuse. And so you, you really you may want to get a doctor to also just have a look at that. But but we know that infection diarrhea is common in that age because mostly from the hygiene issue point of view just to be sure and it is i'm not going to tell you what to use by now you should all know me like i said we don't prescribe antibiotics we don't prescribe anything we can't prescribe medication online because then your child needs to be properly seen a proper i need to look at what i'm saying oh yes and i cannot agree it's not just because you say oh it's itching there are many reasons why she could eat. She could be reacting to the pants. It could be that maybe you are wearing her a sick pants or something that she's allergic to. And that is why she's itching. So it may not necessarily be an infection. So I cannot conclude it's an infection without seeing the child. I agree with you that infection could be one of the causes. And even if I even if I confirm that it's infection, I'm, I we don't do prescription online. So what we still recommend is that you take your child to see a doctor first, who will confirm the cause of the issue, who will exclude the possibility of a child being abused, because that may just be the only sign that that child is going to give to us that the child is being abused. Especially anything that has to do with private parts. I I'm, I know this may make a lot of mothers uncomfortable, but we are uh, as a pediatrician we're super super alert because that may just be the only sign. And if you mix it. I mean, you all of you have heard the story of the other unfortunate incidents in uh, in Boko, in Benrith states. Because that child was seeing doctor, but nobody was really thinking about it. But you know, so we really need to be on the higher laps when you when people when mothers tell us this thing because we need to be sure that that's not what is going on. And okay, most of the time it's not, but you just need to be sure first. And so after that, when your doctor has done all that processes, then that's when they would give you the appropriate uh, prescription. Okay, so we're moving on quickly because of our time. Okay. Sophia, can you give us the next question? Yes, my gift occurs is asking, my five-year-old son always complain of stomach ache, especially in the morning. Yesterday was called by the teacher. He threw up like a few weeks ago. Where can I see a gastroenterologist for my son? I'm, I'm not really sure your child really needs to see a gastroenterologist first. I think you can just see a normal doctor first. There are many reasons why a child could be throwing up in the morning and especially complaining of stomach pain and all that. I would start with something as simple as constipation. There's the commonest reason why children complain of abdominal pain and they could throw up. It could be something as simple as the fact that the child doesn't like to go to school. Yes, we also know that. That can also make the child go up. So there are so many things. It could be what you're giving the child in the morning, the breakfast, you know, maybe it's a particular food you give that the child is intolerant of. Some children, for example, have egg allergies. Some children have some other allergies, milk allergy. And if you give them those in the morning, it will make them have pain. So there are many things. Unless you have seen your primary doctor first and they've told you, oh, yes, they think it's something more and you need to see a gastroenterologist, yes. But if not, I think you just see a normal, every average pediatrician first. And, but if you want to say gastroenterology, the best way to see them are in the teaching hospital. So most of the specialists, most of what we call the super specialists. So, you know, your pediatrician is a specialist. So we have general pediatricians, but you also have what we call uh, specialists, even in each part of the body, even if even for children has their own specialist. So you have a pediatric neurologist for the brain. You have a pediatric nephrologist for the kidney. You have a pediatric gastroenterologist for the digestive 
Crags and the liver and things like that. So they are, are most of them are always available in the teaching hospital. So the best choice is to go to the closest um, teaching hospital to you. Yes, I hope that is helpful. So we're moving on quickly. Okay, so because I just say my my children have recurring skin itching due to relocation, what can be done? I'm not sure I know what you mean by relocation causing itching. So maybe most likely you're saying that they are allergic to something in the environment. So if that's the case, then you may want to, uh, number one, for, for anything allergy, the most important thing is to know what is causing the allergy. What is the child reacting to? What are they allergic to? Is this something that you can eliminate? Is it something that you can get rid of? Because that is the simple solution to allergies. Once you know what the child is allergic to, for example, if you move to a place where there's a lot of uh, all these insect bites and those are what is causing the children to have uh, itching and allergy, then you can think about maybe wearing them clothes, making sure they stay in dolls and the clothes that cover their bodies and clearing the bushes around the area, things like that. The important thing is to get rid of the, of the, of the thing that the child is allergic to. Also get rid of that, then the allergy itself will stop. But why, if, why you are still trying to get rid of the the, the trigger for the allergy, you can give all the anti-allergic medications so which your pediatricians or your doctors can prescribe. So we have what we call uh, anti-histamines and drugs that kind of help to subdue the itching and the allergic reaction. So you can give all that. But the, the primary thing first is to make sure if we can get rid of what the children are allergic to. I think that would be very, very super helpful. All right, so let's move on. Okay, Christy is asking, good morning, Ma. Please, my son is always having cough, and each time he does test, infection is diagnosed and treated with antibiotics. And my question is, what is the effect of too much antibiotics in the body? Very good, because the, the number one, in, uh, the most important thing that too much antibiotics will cause is antibiotic resistance. And I'm not, I'm not quite clear why your child is always having cough and is always having chest infection. It is not typical for an elderly child to be having chest infection all the time. So when a child is having recurrent infection, the first question we want to know is why is the child having this recurrent infection? I mean, it's okay for a child to have infection maybe once in a year or maybe once in two years. But if your child is having like infections every week, Number one, it's either the infection is being overdiagnosed. In other words, the child doesn't even have infection in the first place. For example, a child who is having asthma will always be coughing, and the child doesn't necessarily have infection. It's from the asthma. And But sometimes people just think, oh, the child has cough, then it's infection. No. So the first thing is to know why is the child having recurrent. And even if it's infection itself, you want to know why is the child having recurrent infections and address it? Is it that the child immune system is, is there something wrong with the immune system or is it something going on? Like children who have immunosuppressive diseases you know, like HIV and things like that could have recurrent infections. I'm not saying that's what your child has. I'm just telling you what are the things that could be making a child have a recurrent infection. If a child is malnourished, malnutrition, Will make a child be having recurrent infection and the solution first is to address the underlying reason why that child is having recurrent infections 
so that the recurrent infection will stop and not that we should just keep loading a child with antibiotics. And that is why for this kind of cases, we always recommend that you see a pediatrician and we always recommend that you go to like a teaching hospital because it is easier for those things to be properly evaluated at the teaching hospital compared to, because in teaching hospitals you have professionals, specialists in so many areas, and there are people that they are professional that deals with things like immune system, and they will be interested in why is this child having recurrent infection. So, so much antibiotics will cause antibiotic resistance, which means that when your child eventually now needs a particular antibiotics, the antibiotics will not be working. And if we don't have an alternative, that is like a death sentence because that means there's no treatment for that child. So you don't really want to keep on using antibiotics um, uh, all the time. So uh, Christy, I would recommend that you see a doctor who could properly first evaluate to know why your child is having recurrent infection and possibly also help you to address the underlying reason. And when that is addressed, then you can now talk about the uh, the way forward, so so that your child don't keep getting antibiotics all the time. All right, let's move on. Sophia, can you read Chinwe's question? Yes, ma'am. Please read it. I can hear you, ma. Can you read the question? Can you see the question showing on the screen? No, ma. Oh, okay. I think there's some gap in your connection. Okay, Junior is asking, there's this small hole in my foot. When it was, water will come out, then it dry up after some day, another one will be out. Oh, wow, that's an infection going on in your foot, your junior. And I think it's better you, you see a pediatrician immediately. Who will, uh, I mean, well, you, I guess you are an adult, so see your own doctor properly. We will help you with that uh, as well. Okay, let's move on quickly because of our time. Um, Damilola is saying, whenever I take my baby of six months to the hospital, sometimes because of illness, the doctor is always saying it's infection. Uh, uh, what kind of infection can that be? Because they don't explain. It's almost, uh, unfortunately, uh, um, Damilola. I can't explain too because I well, I didn't see your child. So it is the doctor that you really need to insist on telling you what is in the infection in your child because you really need to let them explain to you what it is. And please don't be afraid to ask your doctor question. It is your right. It is your right to know what it is. Number one, your six-month-old should not be having infection. Your six-month-old should be on exclusive breastfeeding. Your six-month-old should be well protected. And your six-month-old should not be having infection. So if your six-month-old is having, and I mean, and you say each time you take your six-month-old. So I'm wondering how many times have you taken a six-month-old to the hospital and how many times have they told this infection? So I really think you really need to ask your doctor that question. What is the infection? Where is the infection? What can be done? Because they are the one that is making diagnosis of infection. And so they are the one that will be able to answer that uh, question, unfortunately, because we don't know what it is, so we can't really say what it was. I'm not even sure whether the child has infection in the first place. So, and the question is why your child having fever as well. So this is your doctor that can actually help you answer that question. So Adebinkwe is asking, good morning, ma'am. My daughter of three years plus was stolen with fever for like two days last week, and a doctor prescribed Sinas 
which we completed on Sunday, but she's still complaining of stomach pain and fever has been on and off. What do I do? You have to go back to your doctor. So the doctor will prescribe the uh, the antibiotics. Anytime you are you have been treated by a doctor and you are not better or your child is not better, you have to do, go back to that same doctor for a follow up. And then the doctor, because there's something the doctor saw and that make him or her to prescribe your antibiotics. So. And if you're supposed to use the antibiotics, your child is supposed to get better. And if your child is not better, then you have to go back and see the doctor to know what it is again. So I'm not sure whether your doctor did some tests and all that before they gave you the antibiotics. Because sometimes to know the right antibiotics to use, we need to do basic blood tests. And we, we need to do a basic culture. For example, a child who is having fever and stolen for two days, I'm not going to give antibiotics at, at the beginning, but maybe there are other things that your doctor saw that make him to give antibiotics. So you, but now you are saying the child is still having a fever and so the question is, is it really infection to start with? Is, and what kind of infection is it? Is it something that requires antibiotics? Is something that, so there are many questions to ask around that, but because we are not one that saw the child, the doctor who saw the child knows the answer to all that because the doctor would have asked you so you may want to ask your doctor for that first so that the doctor can uh, help you with that, okay? So take it back for follow-up. Then Rufai Aisha is asking, running nose nonstop? No, most likely it's an allergic reaction. Running nose could be from viral infections, but they don't require any antibiotics. But if it is running nose that is on and on recurrently, most times they are from um, allergic uh, reactions, okay? So what you need to do is, uh, we have a group discussion last week about allergic um, reactions and uh, allergic rhinitis. So you may want to go and read about it. And like I said, for every allergy, the most important thing is to know what triggers it off and to avoid it if you can. If you can't, uh, you just deal with it each episode on its own. So that's basically what is recommended. Uh, Amule Yeldufunke is saying, my child was treated in the hospital late last month for throat infection and malaria. It was placed on antibiotics, vomiting, malaria and infection. I don't know. He woke up today with fever and he's, he's an, a very big boy. What do I do? That's the difference. So I always don't get it when parents ask questions like this because your child had a throat infection and I was treated. Now he's having a boil. And, and I know the unspoken question was that the child just have antibiotics a few weeks ago, or last month. Now, the child has another infection this month. Uh, are you wondering whether the child will need treatment? The child doesn't think he's going to need another treatment because this time around, the child is having a different infection, and the treatment you took last month is not going to cover the world for this month because the treatment you took last month covered the throat infection. Now, your baby is having boil, which is a different infection on the skin, so it's going to require another treatment. So you really need to go back to the doctor again for another antibiotic treatment. Now, the que my question to you is that why is your child having this recurrent infection? That is my own question. Why is the child have throat infection last week? Now the child is back again with boil. What is going on? Is this something we you are doing? Is this something about what your child is being exposed to? Or is this something with the child's immune system? So those are the questions I would be worried about as a pediatrician. So I'm going to be worried about what is the hygiene environment like? Is this child going to a crash or to a school? How are they doing it? Is he washing his hand regularly? I mean, is he having basic personal hygiene, basic environmental hygiene processes? 
are you really maintaining all that? You know, making sure you're washing their hands, making sure you're putting antiseptic in the bath water and things like that. Or is there something wrong with the child's immune system? See that the child is not able to fight because the only truth is that we are exposed to these germs every day. We are exposed to them every day. But the only reason why we are all not sick is because we have something in our body, our immune system, which is fighting uh, the this germs. So most time you are exposed to bacteria, and that's what happens in people who have HIV is. They are also exposed to the same germs we are exposed to, we are, we are all exposed to, but we don't foresee, but they foresee because they are immunodeficient. So in other words, their immune system <coughs> cannot fight those bacteria, and so they keep on having recurrent infections all the time. So the question is, why is your child having... So number one about the boy, the child needs to be treated, that is a separate infection. With the fact that the child was treated last month does not mean to cover this month. The child still need another treatment. And this is a different part of the body. It's not even the same uh, throat before. But more importantly, when you go back to the hospital this time around, you and your doctor should have that conversation about why is my child coming down with infections every month? Why? That, that is not normal. That is not proper because uh, you didn't tell us how old your child is, but it is not proper for a child to always have infections every month. It is not. So there's something going on that we must explore and we must address um, immediately. Okay, so uh, let's move on. Sophie, are you back with me? Yes, ma'am. Can you see the question? Please read. Can you see? It's like you can't see the Can you see the question? Yeah. Okay. No, ma'am. Okay, I'm not so sure you are really able to see the question today. I don't know whether there's some network issue. Okay, Ogo is asking again, uh, can fever of not up to 38 constant popo not watery? I don't understand the question because can it be an infection? Okay, I can see your second part. Please always write the question as one complete sentence because we always project it uh, uh, as uh, I don't know what you mean by constant people not watery. If a, if if a child is not passing watery stool, it is not diarrhea. It is not stolen. So that is so that is not anything to talk about. But the fever you said of not up to thirty eight. What is what is it? So anything from thirty seven point five is fever. Anything from thirty seven point five is fever. So uh, so anything more than thirty seven point five rather is fever. So you need to know why you had having fever. But like I said, not every fever is infection. Not every fever is infection. So there are many causes of fever in children, and not all of them is infection. So uh, even things like the child being hot, the fact that you wrap the children too much in a hot environment will, will, will make the child have fever, but that does not necessarily mean the child is having an infection. Children, when they are dehydrated, their temperature may go up. That does not mean they are having infection. So there are many things. So it is difficult for us to just answer only by just what you say. We really need to um, we need to know uh, what is going on for us to be able to 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 say whether it's infection or not. We can't say just by what you told us alone. That's what I'm trying to say. It has to be also from our own examination and all that. So that is what uh, we're, we're going to uh, deal with. Okay, now let's go on. Um, 
Paul is asking, my baby's eye is always red um, and itchy and sometimes bring out deaths. So I don't know. Was, you didn't tell us how old your baby is. You didn't tell us uh, uh, whether, uh, how long this has been going on and all that. So um, there are many things that could make a child's eyes itchy and red. It could be an a, what we call conjunctivitis or it could be uh, uh, it could be, uh, and this conjunctivitis could be something like viral or could be bacteria, or it could also be allergic. So it's difficult to say which one your baby has because there are more questions uh, to ask you. So because of that, I would just recommend you see your doctor, your doctor uh, as first, so that they can help you uh, uh, help you evaluate your child. Um, and know which one it is. Before you see your doctor or your pediatrician first, and uh, and then after that, uh, you can now um, you can now they can now tell you which one it is, whether it's an infection, whether it's an allergic reaction, and all that. And then that will help them to be able to to guide you as to what to do. Okay. So uh, that's what I recommend for Paul. I'm going to be rushing now because we have five minutes to the end of the program. Uh, Amaka is asking my boy of five years complaint of stomach bites. I guess stomach pain during and it's okay. So a child is complaining of stomach pain, especially when he's eating and all that. I really think you should really need to see it pediatrician we are worried about what we call Pepsi also disease that's one of the commonest things that could cause that um, may not necessarily be an infection but you may want to see a a, a, a pediatrician first so for further evaluation thank you and uh, a lot of queens asking my my son of five years has this eczema looking rash on his face and almost a year now it has been on and off we have seen doctors for more than thrice they prescribe separate same cream okay i think you should see a dermatologist this time around especially at that level you should see a dermatologist when if you are treating a rash it's not going the specialist when it is is the dermatologist okay and uh, Ola Yemi is asking, my three-year-old is always coughing actually at night. You should see your pediatrician. Most likely it could be an asthma or what we call post-nasal drip. So that child really needs to see a, a pediatrician for further evaluation. So I'm going to rush now because my time is almost up. Uh, Comfort is asking, my child of one year, two months, are they having balls? I think boil, okay, and rashes for some time now. It was severe when it was two months plus and it's back again. I've been told it could be eat. And what that I should stop administering antibiotics, thank God. Uh, what could be the problem, please? He also doesn't eat much, but suck more than, more even at age. Uh, what should I do to make him eat as I plan to stop breastfeeding? Okay, so you have lumped so many questions together. So for your child who is having recurrent uh, boils and rashes, I would recommend you see a pediatrician uh, or a dermatologist for proper evaluation. I don't believe it could be eat, and you should stop the antibiotics truly. So we need to know what kind of rashes your child is having so that we could we could know what it is and address it properly and probably also tell you what you really need to be doing or not doing to make the um to to, to help with the rashes itself so that is um 
and that is number one. And as I regard the complimentary video, because that's a whole topic on it, so which we have dealt with before, you may want to go back and watch our old videos on child nutrition, complementary feeding, and all that. Or if you go to our Facebook group, there's on our units or learning units, there's one on complementary feeding. You will get all the information on how to go about complementary feeding and how to feed your child. All right. Thank you for joining us. So I'm going quickly. Um, Presh is asking, my child is always and having high fever between December and February, we are admitted three times. Wow. Um, malaria plus, white blood cell, which was also not much according to the doctor. I'm really tired of being admitted every time. She stretched a lot, especially after sucking. Uh, please what could be the cause. So it's, it's really hard for me to say what is the cause. And uh, I will assume that you have seen doctors for three times. Your child has been on admission thrice. Those doctors are the best person to answer that question. And if they are not able to answer you, you really need to see a, a doctor that can answer that question. And usually I will recommend seeing a pediatrician. Usually I will recommend next time you go to a teaching hospital. so that they, Because if eight-month-old baby that has been admitted three times, I am quite worried about that what is going on why is this child coming in and out of hospital and obviously every time it's only malaria the white blood cell is not so high so what is going on and so, so these are the kind of questions parents need to ask actually uh when you have contact with your doctors don't be afraid to ask them questions don't be afraid to let them explain to you they hold you the right to explain to you what they suspecting what they think is going on i can understand the first time but two times third time in three months your child has been admitted three times I am quite worried about that child. And I think it's important to, to see a proper specialist. Sorry, uh, sometimes when things are going on, it's not beyond the general practice, then you really need to see a pediatrician who could really do more and help you more to really know what is the answer. Your baby should not be having malaria every month. That's the truth. And make sure the baby is sleeping under the nets and all that. But the question is, I'm not even sure your baby is all the time is malaria. That sounds very strange. All right, blessings saying my doctor, uh, hello doctor, my son of a year, two months, is always having fever and the doctor is always saying malaria. I think it's just exactly the same kind of question. Most of these always having fever, always having malaria. I, I don't agree with those diagnosis. So you really need to see. So if you have gone to a doctor and the same thing every time, maybe you may want to try a new doctor. And preferably, you may want to go to a teaching hospital. Probably, you may want to see a pediatrician, a specialist system around, because it is not really typical for children to be having malaria every month. Number one, try and prevent malaria. Make sure your children sleep under the infecticide treated nets. Make sure your environment is clean. Of uh, you clear the bushes, you clear malaria um, mosquito breeding ground. Make sure your children are not getting mosquito bites and all that. But if you are doing all that, your children are always still having fever every month. I think it's maybe more than just malaria. And you may really need to see oh, your doctor. Okay, I think it's still the same question from Blessing, which I just answered. Um, okay, Lola is asking me, is there anything like a crash infection? Because the doctor was like, any child that goes to crash are prone to infection. What can we do? Yes, I know what your doctor, there's nothing like crash infection, but what the doctor is saying is that when a child goes to crash, the child is exposed to other children who also have infection. So the, the children just keep catching it from one another. That's the challenge with crashes uh, because they really need to, most crashes need to be fine with their policy, the policy of any child who is six days at home. But I know you mothers, you 
also the one that will break those policies. Ah, Lord, I need to go to work. I need to do this. Because the, the truth is that when a child is sick and you take them to crash, every other child in that crash has been exposed to that same infection. So by the time your own child is getting better, another one is starting it, then you bring that child back, that, the child will keep catching it. So it, it keeps going on in a circle. It becomes, and that is one of the challenges. In fact, there are times that we have to tell some mothers, you just need to take your child out of crisis. Especially all the children that are coming down with sickness every month. This is actually what is happening to some of them. Because every every time you're exposing them to, 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 to a new infection, so they get better this week, another child has started his own. is going to infect the other people. So the, in a proper crisis system, what they recommend is that any child with sick fever, cough, anything, stays out of the crash, stays at home. Because also bring that child in, then the other children are at risk of catching infection. Another thing is some crashes are not very good with their hygienic practices. Ideally, you should wash your hands before you do anything with any child. And when you finish with that child, you should wash your hands. The commonest carrier of infection is human hands. That's it. It is our hands that carry infection. And in a crash, a, one caregiver is attending to like 10 children. She will finish with one. Sometimes she will not wash her hands. She pick up the next one. The infection she has carried from one, she's going to give to the other one. She's going to give, and she she's becomes like a vicious cycle again. So I know that sometimes the crash people have always had issues with me about this, but that's the honest truth. So it's what crashes that maintain very good policy, policy of no sick child coming to the crash, no matter what, no sick child is out of the crash or they isolate them in another bay. Good policy of making sure they wash their hands all the time before doing anything for each other, after doing something, and it must be a very low, uh, uh, the ratio between the caregiver to the children must be low. All this one where one person is attending to 10, 20 children, it's not, the person cannot do it. But if it is one, one person to maybe two or three children, that is still manageable. And then they are maintaining very good standard of hand washing and all those things very good as well. So these are the reasons why children come down with infections all the time in crutches. And so we really need to, uh, those who are taking your child to crutch, you really need to be very firm. You really need to make sure that you know what they are doing and you are, you are making sure they are doing it properly. It is very, 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 very important. All right, uh, Paul is asking, my baby is four years, each started when it's one year. So that's not like an allergic thing. You need to take your child to see a pediatrician. So finally, Kadana is asking, hello, doc. I mentioned last time my baby fingernails were shedding. Okay, yes, I've posted this question. I'm very sorry. Uh, I wanted our, uh, I wanted the orthopedic doctors to answer that question. I, I think it's something like a different condition. It's not like a normal condition. Uh, I, I saw the picture. Is is I think it's something. Uh, a particular kind of disease going on in that hand, but that but usually when we have this kind of question, I always want the person who is the expert in that field answer it. So I, I tag our orthopedic surgeon who has not gotten to answer the question, but I'm going to follow it up. So just yeah, don't worry, I will follow it up. Now that you've told me again, I will personally follow it up. Thank you uh, for your patience. <laughs> okay, Iberi is asking. Maybe my two weeks old baby area question are high, which refuse to clear. It will clear. Don't worry, just leave it. It will, I'm sure they've told you already in the hospital that it will clear. Just leave it alone. It will clear. It's usually it's from the blood from when your baby was born. We call it subconjunctival hemorrhage. When babies are being born, the blood sometimes splash into their eyes. 
and it will be there, but it will clear. So don't, and I'm very serious about saying, don't go and be doing anything to it because if you are trying to do something, you are going to cause more problems for the baby. Just leave it alone and it will eventually clear. Maybe it's just two weeks old, which means it has just been there for two weeks. So it will clear. You have, you have been impatient because it means your baby has had it only for two weeks. So it, it will clear. The body itself will uh, clear it out. All right. So I think I've answered all the questions I have with me. So in let's let's uh, recap. I've been talking about infections today, and I've talked about the in, the fact that we have different kind of infection. It could be viruses. It could be due to bacteria. It could be due to fungi. It could be due to other organisms like uh, protozoa, like malaria, parasite, and all those kind of thing. And the fact that infection could manifest in different ways, fever, vomiting, that it could manifest, and infection could be localized to one part of the body, or it could affect the entire body in the blood, which is circulates, right? It could affect virtually any organ system. And the most important thing is that symptoms of infection could also occur in conditions that are not infections. So it is not every time each other has fever that it is malaria or typhoid. And please, let's just even, anytime you go to a hospital and the only diagnosis they give in that hospital is malaria and typhoid, you really need to go and change your hospital. And I'm very damn serious about that. You need to start going to hospital where they take more time to evaluate your child and then they can now um, look at the child properly to say what is wrong. And they sometimes even need to do tests. There are like 1,000 things, uh, 1,000 types of infection. You have urinary tract infection. People don't even ask for it. And it's one of the commonest causes. Throat infection, ear infections. These are other common infections in children that most people don't even check because every time a child has fever, it's rather malaria and stuff. And you mothers, please stop using antibiotics indiscriminately. All this one, everybody is using antibiotics. Your child has fever. Go and buy anti-malaria, go and buy antibiotics. It's a very dangerous practice. You are building up antibiotic resistance. And when the children eventually need those antibiotics, they are not going to, 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 to respond to them. And that is a very dangerous situation to be. So if there's anything you're going to take away is to say, not every fever is malaria, not every fever is typhoid, and not every fever is infection. And not every infection requires antibiotics because sometimes viral infection don't require antibiotics. And fungal infection requires antifungal, not antibiotics. So when you use antibiotics for what is not an, uh, a bacterial infection, you are crossing antibiotic resistance. And so that's what we've been talking about today. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you still have questions, you can go to our Facebook group, Ask the Pediatrician. This, uh, this program has been brought to you by Ask the Pediatrician Foundation. And you can always go to our Facebook group to ask your question. I'm looking for our Facebook group. Uh, you can see the link there. So you can go and ask your questions there and we will answer you. We're always there 24 six. We don't have, we don't answer questions yet. We don't answer questions on Sundays. We take a break for all our moderators, but any day, Monday to Saturday, any time of the day, you can drop your questions and one of our moderators or professionals will address them for you. If you have questions that are very sensitive and you want to go anonymous, you can shoot us an email. Our email is showing on the screen there. And we'll be, uh, we will also answer you and then simple seats on the group. And so just to let you know that this program has been brought to you by Activity Foundation and you can support us because beyond what we do online, we also do offline. We go to do community medical outreaches. Uh, our next outreach is coming up in May on the, uh, during Children's Day celebration. And we, this time around, we're going to be in all the states 
of Nigeria. And we currently are having our fundraising towards that. And that is our on global giving. So if you want to support us, uh, you can go to global giving and donate. Uh, if you go to our group, you'll see the link there as well. And the donation is going on from now till the 29th of March. You can donate from $10 to any amount, no limit, $5,000, $10,000, any amount you give us is fine. But just know that whatever you give us is going into outreaches for indigent children, children who don't have access to internet, uh, who cannot have suspicions, and they need it more. And we are committed to making sure that children don't die in Nigeria anymore. So if you want to be part of it, please go home and donate today to on Asbjan Foundation page on Global Giving. If you want the link, if you go to any of our link, our group, our Facebook group, you will see it there. It's all over the place. Uh, you can also reach us and we'll send it to you. So I really want to thank every one of you for joining me this morning and have a wonderful, wonderful Saturday. Once again, if you still have your question, post it on our Facebook group and we'll be able to answer you. Thank you. Bye. Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Bimi because it's informative, educative and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour, the program for caring parents.